Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to another Toonami pre-flight, where today we're going to delve into... I never noticed how dirty my glasses are until I come into the studio. So there's bright just, lights going right on them, yeah. yeah. Uh, the meaning of life, what it means to be human, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are questions that Gil can't answer. Struggles with yeah, daily. Can't answer being a, a robot. So I'm more of a cyborg. No. You were, there was no part of you that was ever human. Yeah. This is my right hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so part of uh, what, you know, the reason our topic today is your favorite cyborg movie is because we are going to do talk about Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence, which concerns cyborgs and androids. But in and really our, our discussion into the ass of the definition yeah, of our, all of those terms, in our discussions, we were trying we um, there were a couple co-workers who were like, well, what's the difference between a cyborg and an android and a robot and a cyborg is a creature that has both uh it has biometric and mechanical parts at the same time so technically the definition of cyborg you could include people with pacemakers and stuff although what they more mean is people that have like you know a prosthetic arm that is somehow tied into their body um, or that guy we saw at Moogfest. That guy, yeah, the guy with the. There's a f- pretty well-known cyborg who hasn't. He has an implant directly in his brain, and when he he can see things and hear colors and all kinds of other weird stuff. Yeah. But he, um, and then an android is simply a, a an artificial construct designed to look like a human. And then a robot is not necessarily a human-shaped thing because a robot could just be a robotic arm. Like, there are robots that make our cars and stuff now on assembly lines, technically. Um, and then there's a bionic thing, which is actually... Which which is a, a robotic thing that it mimics life, That's but it doesn't have to be humanoid-shaped. So, anyway, in case you ever wondered, we, we were looking up uh, the definitions. So why don't we talk about uh, the movie that spurred all this uh, talk, and that's uh, the movie we're going to talk about today, Ghost in the Shell 2, Innocence. So we have, um, a, we have a good story about Ghost in the Shell 2. But we're not going to tell it. <laughs> but unfortunately... Um, so back in 2004, when the movie premiered, we were beginning to have our discussions and talks with Production IG about working on a show together, and then that, that would end up becoming IGPX. So we were invited, we being uh, myself, Gil, and Sean Akins, uh, were invited to the world premiere of Ghost in the Shell 2, Innocence, which in Japan was just called Innocence because it was... Not supposed to be. It was like more a of a standalone, scene. like you know, more of a standalone uh, movie. Because you don't need two in every the title of every Japanese movie to make it a success. <laughs> and they invited us to the world premiere, so we were super excited. We got there, but it was literally like get off the plane, super jet lagged after a fourteen hour flight with no sleep. Go directly to your hotel, change, eat something, and then go to the premiere, which was across town from our hotel in a place called Rapongi. And so we get there and first they start with a Q&A with the staff and the actors 
and uh, Oshi, the director. And, of course, it's all in Japanese. And they gave us these super awesome, comfortable sort of recliner seats and, like, a warm thing of popcorn. And so we're sitting in these seats in the dark, and it's really warm, and these seats are really comfortable. And we're listening to, like, it was like an hour setup before the movie of, like, talking. And then there was a Yoko Kano performance. I mean, there was all kinds of amazing stuff. And then the movie, of course, in Japanese, which is a fairly slow movie anyway. And it was like, we knew that if we, and we were sitting right next to the head of production IG. So we knew that if we fell asleep, it would be super rude. But the whole time we were like, uh, fighting not to fall asleep because as interested as we were, that's just a lot to ask of your body. Yeah. At uh, five I think, in the morning. I think now I'm After. older now. I think now I would have just straight up fallen asleep. I don't think, I think it was only because oh, I, I was, fall asleep. I was only because, well, I mean, I, I never. I always assume you're going to do whatever the thing we're not supposed to do is, right? Because you suck. I mean, I didn't curl up on the floor you, with a blanket. You shut down. You're yeah. in shutdown mode. Um, but yeah, it was a struggle. <laughs> um, but it was awesome to be at the premiere event and um, see the movie six months before it was going to come out in the U.S. Um, and then eventually, production IG gave me this, which is a music box of the dog Gabriel, who's in the movie. I think, I don't know if I got to, ah, there we go. And that's the one of the themes in the movie, that I keep this on my desk. Um, so, Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence came out in 2004, and then six months later in the U.S. Um, it was actually a pretty solid success, and it was one, it's one of only five animated films that were allowed into con for competition. Uh, it was well-reviewed by most critics and fans. I think it was more mixed, um, and we can talk about why in a minute. But before we get into the discussion of the movie, why don't we look at the trailer? I looked at I looked for like the official trailer, and it's not very good. So this is actually a fan-cut trailer, which is why the audio mix is a little weird. But it's a way better trailer and gives you a much better idea of what the movie's like than the quote-unquote official trailer. So check it out. Perpetrator killed the owner a few minutes ago at the first crime scene, then ran off and was called in anonymously. At the second crime scene down that back alley, two cops were ambushed and killed. We'll storm in there in a couple of minutes. What do you know about all this? I know that Locus Solis invented some sort of gynoid that goes berserk and kills their owners and that the company's recalling all the prototypes. Why Section 9 is involved in all of this? Because terrorism is a possible motive in this case, we need to determine if Section 9 needs to get involved in it or not. Help me. Please help me. Humans are different than robots. But such a belief is nothing more than simply acknowledging that. So, where should we start? She killed three people. I wonder why humans are so obsessed with creating robots that resemble them. It's been a long time, Major. So you can actually, it's recently been remastered and re-released in HD. It wasn't available on Blu-ray for a while, but it, last year I think it was released on Blu-ray, and you can get it on Amazon Prime streaming and a bunch of other places, um, probably due to the Ghost in the Shell remake yeah. that came out. 
Um, so this was, I think, received well by critics who weren't as invested in the original, and then by fans, I think it was more of a mixed reaction because, you know, you call a movie Ghost in the Shell 2, and I think that the average fan was expecting more of a, another story about the major. Yeah. And I understand why they didn't... I actually like that they just like were like, well, the major's moved on. She doesn't have a body anymore. She lives in the net. You know, she's achieved a higher state of consciousness. And so this is a story about Batu, who was the who was her partner, really, and him going through a similar malaise to the one that she had at the beginning of the original Ghost in the Shell, which is sort of feeling dead inside because he's had so much of his humanity stripped away. So I mean, the whole movie deals with the idea of you know, just like the first movie, what defines someone as a human? What defines humanity? Is it just the soul? Like, what are you? If you take all of your human human body, if you take your soul out of your body, are you still a human? Stuff like that gets pretty deep. Yeah. So it's it's sort of a mystery with with much like the original Ghost in the Shell with this threaded throughout it. Um, these philosophical questions. There's a ton of like famous quotes, which is a little weird. People are always quoting famous shit to each other from like the Bible or, 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 you know, like famous authors, yes, philosophers. Yeah. And it's, it's cool, but it's also like, it's, it's a little Not everyday language it gets a little esoteric, you know? Um, so the, the movie kicks off with some gynoids who are basically slave robots, that rebel against their masters and kill uh, some innocent people. So, like, nine people get killed. And in Section 9 gets called in because that it, there appears to be some sort of pattern of this happening, that this has been... These aren't random events. So, Batu and Togusa, who's the one member of the team that's almost completely unenhanced uh, human, they are partnered together since the Major yeah. is no longer there. Turns out after the first movie, they were like, maybe we shouldn't have all... <laughs> um, so they, so they end up investigating, and their investigation leads them to a hacker who then leads them to a corporation that has a boat offshore where they can legally sort of make sex robots for rich people. And the thing that the reason they're charging so much for these robots is because they're using, they're kidnapping real human children and basically keeping them on this ship plugged into this matrix and they're cloning their sort of their ghost in the in the terminology of the show and putting them into the dolls so the dolls feel more realistic to the people it's that are buying them it's pretty dark up it's pretty gross to think of the <laughs> crime is pretty fucked yeah. up in the first place and then yeah. to perpetrate it so it's about them busting up the ring and then throughout there's a thread about batu and sort of how sort of the only thing that ties him to being like a regular Joe is his dog Gabriel the um, sweet ass basset hound um, who uh, is in the movie so prominently because Oshi himself has a basset hound has always had a dog and he often says that he when he plays with his dog he forgets that he's a human and he feels like all all creatures are equal because we're we all have something different to offer um, it's a very Zen philosophy that he sort of weaves into the movie. So there's a lot about Batu caring after Gabriel and dogs are expensive. If it's a, whether it's a clone, evidently he says something about like it's, it's oh the, one of the first dogs uh, from artificial insemination. So now it's gotten to the point where if you want to even buy a dog, it's got to be a clone or an artificially inseminated pet, and they're super expensive. Um, and this is a weird sort of dystopia. It's it's Hong Kong like the original Ghost in the Shell, but I, they push the visuals farther. So there's a ton of like CG mixed in with it, but the CG is done in a way that they kind of wanted to make it sort of seamless. It sort of works and sort of doesn't. Um, it works most of the time, and I think the backgrounds are gorgeous. It's definitely a visually rich movie like the original. Um, and like people are driving really old cars there's a lot of anachronistic sort of technology and i read that oshi was just like yeah i just like old cars so i yeah, thought it's like know, a, why not people have people drive old cars it's like a totally different timeline where it's not future it's not past it's just it's just all an the alternate reality there. yeah it's more of an alternate reality than a here's what the future is going to be like type thing um so then the major ends up being a part of the story but not a main part of the story she warns batu 
at a certain point where the hacker is basically trying to infect Batu to make him go off the case. She sort of warns him right before it happens. And then at the end, when uh, Batu is on this boat sort of assaulting the trying to get through to the main console, she takes over the body of one of the gynoids and helps him. And then she helps the whole you know case get blown open and says goodbye to him. So I thought as a person who really liked the original movie, I thought it was a cool way to bring her back but not have it be about her. Yeah. And I understand why if you're Oshi, you're like, well, I already told, told her that. story, you know. What do you do after... I have no idea what she would do after she became sort of a god. Like, I don't... What do you do? You can't have her go backwards and start. Yeah. So I get it. And I think they did a really good job. I also get why if you're a fan and you hear Ghost in the Shell 2, you're going to expect another major story, which is why after this movie... They did standalone complex and <laughs> right. second gig, um, because the original was such a fully self-contained philosophical idea that was perfectly expressed that it's almost impossible to follow up with anything. I think, from my point of view, if you're going to do a sequel, this is about as good as it can get without doing something that involves none of the original characters. You know what I mean? Like you could do another movie in this world without Batu, without Section Nine. And there's enough interesting elements. I think you could tell stories in there, but I don't know that you could tell another Section 9 story without rebooting. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think mean, there's not much to, you know. And Batu was designed as a foil, not a leading man. They make it work, but, like, that's not... His character is designed to be, like, the gruff... Yes, yeah, the second, second man, murder bot. You know? Yeah, murder bot. <laughs> um, but it looks gorgeous. It's really great. It has a reputation for being really slow and actually rewatching it. It has a few slow sections, but generally it's so visually gorgeous and, the, and there's a lot of action sequences that I, I didn't find it slow this time. You know, turns out when you're not coming off a 14-hour... <laughs> sleep deprived. When you're not coming off a 14-hour flight and watching it in another language, it's... Um, Pretty entertaining. More, yeah, more, more, more accessible. Um, but yeah, I would say if you're a fan of the original, you should definitely, it's definitely worth a watch. I think it expands on some of the same ideas in an interesting way. Uh, and it's a cool procedural sort of thriller. And the music is terrific. They basically use the same type of orchestra they used in the original. Kenji Kawaii, the original composer, is the same composer. And the music is just huge, like, you know, choruses and stuff. It's pretty great. Um, so, uh, and you, you know they made cool music boxes <laughs> so check it out um and that leads us to our topic of the day which is of course what is your favorite cyborg movie because ghost in the shell deals a lot with cyborgs and androids and robots all three um so i'm gonna go first i picked some pretty easy ones but you know it's not what are you gonna do we're not getting There's, bonus points it's not you. the deepest yeah I mean, it's not the, it's not a subject. There's not a ton of cyborg movies, so I'm going to start with, of course, the probably, arguably, the most famous cyborg in Western culture. I just don't know if a lot of people necessarily think of him that way. Well, the, why? Because they don't know what cyborg means. Yeah, <laughs> like you think of it as one of your other picks. I feel like is he's a cyborg though. Yeah. So that's of course Darth Vader who I'm speaking of, who <laughs> who is mostly, at the point at which he's Darth Vader, he has no, his arms and legs have both been cut off by Obi-Wan, right? Yeah, accidentally. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and and uh, really, it's just his sort of, and he's been burned horribly yeah, beyond recognition. He can't really breathe. And so he needs, he's encased in this suit so that he can breathe, and he has artificial limbs and a helmet so, I mean, he's pretty much the textbook definition of a cyborg. But again, like Gil said, he's he's such a huge figure that you don't think... You just think of him as Darth Vader. You don't think of but him as... But you also don't see, like, robotic elements because he's in a... I mean, you do. I mean, like, in when you see Darth Vader there. Like, it just yeah. feels more like... A guy in a suit. Yeah. That's um, a mask and a cape. So, uh, I figured, why not, re you know, we go back to Revenge of the Sith and look at the scene because... You know, this is how he became a cyborg. And so if you have any interest in knowing that, this is a cool scene, which I did. I mean, everyone makes fun of the scene because at the end is where he does the, yeah. no, 
over the Frankenstein thing, which is totally corny as shit. I agree, but it's still awesome to see. Yeah, him being assembled. him, him go f- and sad to see him go from this character who you knew for a couple movies and yeah. who's now been brought so low that he can only be he can only stay alive as a husk of his former self in a mechanized body. You know, and if not for the force, he probably would have died anyway. Um, so let's check out. We'll just recap quickly the scene of him being placed into the Darth Vader suit. That's how you that's become. How they that's how you become a cyborg. That's yeah. how they should have ended the movie. Yeah, totally. Not the is Padme all right? <laughs> um, so yeah, you got to start with the most famous. Even if he's not thought of as a cyborg, he is the most famous cyborg in Western culture. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Well, I mean, he is. He just is what he is. I can't change that. Um, it's not like a point of view. Like the textbook definition is what he is. Um, so then speaking of Ghost in the Shell, I thought, you know, well, the major is, you know, she moves on and becomes something more than a cyborg. Um, by the end of the, started out a hero, by the end of the movie, she really, it's only her brain and her ghost that are human. The rest of her entire body is, um, made of metal. Um, so this is a little video that sort of. Is it, it puts the opening of the original Ghost in the Shell film next to the opening of the live action film just and compares the shots because I just thought it was interesting. But this is the major sort of how she becomes a cyborg. This is her rebirth as a cyborg.
Well done, Hukusama. Indeed. Um, so yeah, that's how she becomes a cyborg. Um, I have to say, watching that, it's just we were saying it's crazy that the new movie didn't use the soundtrack from the original. That's bananas. Such a missed opportunity. Um, and then finally, a cyborg that a lot of Americans anyway would think of when you say the word cyborg, and that's good old RoboCop. <laughs> uh, the fucking most hilariously named <laughs> yeah, cyborg. Um, so RoboCop came out in 84, 82, 84, around there. Uh, was a big old hit, and they haven't done a very good RoboCop since the original, including that terrible remake. But so... 87. Huh? 87. 87. So uh, this movie starts off with a cop, Murphy, in future Detroit, and he is killed by a bunch of... Uh, a pack of bad guys are almost killed, and they re- they reconstruct his body and bring him back as part of the RoboCop program, and sort of his consciousness is rebooted and rewritten basically but the original murphy is under there somewhere so the whole movie is about the tension kind of between him being this new robocop and him discovering who he was and remembering that he's a a human underneath all the metal um classic cyborg material (laughs) so rather than have any kind of cyborg moment there's a character in this movie called clarence bodiger that i just love Played by the great, the voice. played by the great Clarence Bodiger, <laughs> played, played by the great, uh, what's his name, Kurt, Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, and Kurtwood Smith, who was Red yeah. from <laughs> that seventy uh, show. Uh, that seventy show, he's been in a ton of movies. He's awesome. He's a bad guy in this movie. He's the dad in. in um, uh, your good, fa- yeah, uh, your your favorite. I think it's Goodwill Hunting. Dead, well, uh, Dead, Dead Post Society. Dead Post Society. Um, he's hilarious in this movie. He has so many funny lines. That he makes me laugh the entire time. So I found a collection of Kurtwood Smith scenes, and we're just going to watch those because it's our show. So this has nothing to do with cyborgs. I just like. But Kurt- it is awesome. I just like his scenes. Check it out. How you doing? Uh, 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 bitches leave. Uh. Gee, Bobby. Bye. You gonna call me? Oh my God. Uh, the fuck are you doing? Do you know who I am? If you think you're gonna get away with this, you gotta. God damn it! Stop! I'll give you anything you want. Please, please don't kill me, alright? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not making myself clear. I don't wanna fuck with you, Sam. But I got the connection. I got the sales organization. I got the muscle to shove enough of this factory so far up your stupid wop ass that you'll shit snow for a year. Frankie, blow this cocksucker's head off. Ooh, guns, guns, guns. Come on, Sal. Tigers are playing. Two nights. I never miss a game. Just kidding. Clarence Bodiger. You are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Fuck you. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute! I'm protected, man. I've got protection! You have the right to an attorney. What is this shit? God damn it! God damn it! Listen to me! Listen to me, you fuck! There's another guy! He's a he's OCP, he's the senior president! Anything you say may be used against you. It's dangerous! You cocksucker! I work for Dick Jones! Dick Jones! He's the number two guy at OCP! OCP runs the cops! <laughs> You're a cop! Cop! Oh. 
Yes. I am a cop. I don't like it any more than you do, Reed, but listen! You listen to me, you asshole! <laughs> just give me my fucking phone call. I'm <laughs> just like, he's just such a dick. I don't think you're supposed to Mirandize people while you're throwing them through three separate play class the, uh, Yeah, I like that he's a, he's kind of a nerd, but they turned him into a badass just because he's so good at being a jerk. Like, you yeah. know, like, he's not threatening really as a... Yeah, he's like, like 148 pounds. <laughs> yeah, soaking wet. Uh, so those are three of my favorite uh, cyborg-related movies. Well done. First for me is Albert Pion's 1989 classic Cyborg... Just um, going right for the heart of the matter. Starring Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme. As Gibson Rickenbacker, the dumbest made-up name of all time. Rickenbacker's a good name. Gibson Rickenbacker, though? Uh, well, somebody like guitars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get it. They might as well call my it. Name's, my name is Guitar Guitar. My, my name. <laughs> it would have been better if he was Guitar Guitar. It would be um, better if he was Gibson Fender. That sounds better. All right. I like Rickenbacker's a lot. Or Fender name. Gibson is pretty good. But they, I'm Fender Gibson. Uh, I like it. Okay. I think Rickenbacker's the what screwed it up. Maybe so. They call him Gibson in the movie, so I think it's um, they really it good. was supposed to be a little bit more of a under the <laughs> If they had now if they had called the him Ibanez Rickenbacker, then it would have gotten weird. That's not a very tough <laughs> name. I don't think that would have worked. Um so Gibson is a fighter in a post-apocalyptic wasteland where there's this plague that's killed off most people and everyone else is just surviving in a Belgian uh, mixed martial arts world. Um, he meets. That is uh, indeed a dystopia. He meets this, a cyborg, hence cyborg. The, the titular cyborg. And uh, she has what they think is the cure for the plague. So she needs him gotcha. to take him to Atlanta. Nice. Home of all uh, disease research mm-hmm. around the world. Yep. Um, and so this group of pirates then kidnaps her, so then Gibson's got to get her back. So it's not really delving into what it means to be a human and not really dealing with the uh, So she's a cyborg, but code. She, she can't really take care of herself. She's not super strong. Like She can take care of herself. How'd they kidnap her? I can't remember. I haven't uh, seen the movie. Let's check out the trailer, which is fucking awesome. Mm. Welcome to the world of the not-too-distant future. Get going! Go! A brutal gang is reshaping the world into their own vision of hell. And only one man can stop them. Jean-Claude Van Damme is leading the battle between good and evil. Take them out. As it's never been fought before. He's on a desperate mission to rescue a cyborg who holds the secret for saving the world. Why did you help me? I don't want to see you die. From the dust of destruction rises the warrior of a new age. Say goodbye, my friend. Jean-Claude Van Damme has become the first hero of the 21st century. Cyborg. Nice. This movie was originally rated X because it was such gratuitous violence throughout and they had to cut nice. it down to make it an R rated Oh movie. bummer I'd so, like yeah. to see the rated X version. I know I was when I found that out I was looking to see if anybody put it Is out. Is that but. dude one of the Barbarian Brothers it looks like <laughs> yeah. over there? They're all the Barbarian <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> Uh, next for me is 1983 Michael Schroeder, Cyborg 2, known as oh, wow. Glass okay. Shadow in gotcha. other countries. Um, Just sticking with the theme. Yeah. This is uh, decades after the original Cyborg, and the Pinwheel Corporation is looking to corner the Cyborg-making market. So they create an assassin sex bot Borg uh, named Cash, which is Angelina Jolie. Um, 
not to be confused with Tango and Cash of the same era. Uh, but she's filled up with this explosive liquid and is supposed to make her way through to the another corporation and blow them up so that they can take... Oh, she's the got a lot of work to do. She's got to have sex, kill people, yeah. fill herself up with liquid. No, she's already filled up go, with it. Go to, the, go to the thing and then blow herself yeah. up. Pretty, and so pretty thankless. her um, martial arts, ins- not instructor, but um, like expert... Uh, what his name is? Colt 45. Nice. He, is it Billy D. Williams? No. And it doesn't work every time. Uh, he is another cyborg. There's more cyborgs in this movie than the cyborg, which yeah. is why it's better. Um, he's going to be recycled, or they have a term for it. I don't remember what it is. And so they're escaping from the cyborg plant, and the Pinwheel Corporation gets another cyborg hitman to come track them down. So it's a lot of cyborg on cyborg violence, and it's pretty great. So let's check out the trailer. I believe also voiced by the late great. Isn't Jack Don Palance LaFontaine. in this movie? No, I, I think thought so. Jack Palance was the the big bad guy. The Pinwheel Corporation guy. Let's find out. So, let's watch the trailer. technology in a humanoid robotics application. Imagine the perfect loving machine. Human in almost every respect. Our very best. Imagine the perfect killing machine. Peak condition, top of the line. Now, imagine they are all the same. You were made to be destroyed. Why me? Bingo. She's the ultimate instrument of destruction. What has she got? Glass shadow. Liquid explosive. Highly effective. No, don't catch the bone away, baby. No, they won't. I cost too much. Still active. Yes, I am still an equal opportunity terminator. Warrior. Don't get dead. Weapon. It appears Pinwheel has planted a bomb in you. The plot. Woman. She's a girl. Yes. If you want to dine with the devil, you'll need a long spoon. Incoming. You've been a naughty girl. Cyborg 2. It's in my program. It looks like Cyborg Squared when they show the title of the film. It's a math joke. But yeah, that was Jack, that was the great Jack yeah. Palance and uh in full on scenery chewing scenery rage. chewing one handed push up and also Elias Coteas is her Yeah, he's cool forty five. Yeah, he's cool forty five. <laughs> so they got good actors in it. Yeah, it was everyone uh Angelina Julie talked about making this movie uh in inside the actor studio. When, and she said that everybody really felt like it was going to be good. And then they all saw the movie and they were like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> she said she saw it. She went home and got sick. Um, I don't think she's too proud of that. Cyborg, job. too. <laughs> um, but one short year later, Michael Schroeder returns the, my, to the land of You can't of keep Cyborg. Michael Schroeder down, man. Cyborg 3, The Recycler, um, which is the most apt title of all time. Straight to video, and this time Cash is back, but uh, Angelina Jolie not reprising Super, her role. Yeah. As Somewhat Cash. So shockingly, they get the ginger from uh, head of the class, uh, Christine Hodge, uh, and she's out in the free zone or the wastelands or whatever the fuck they call it, and um, she's breaking down, so she's trying to come back, and it turns out she's pregnant, and she's a cyborg. What's going to happen? There's no reason the cyborg couldn't get pregnant. Uh, they make it seem like it's a huge deal. So let's check it's out the trailer. It's not like a replicant getting pregnant. Cyborg 3. The time has come. Over those hills lies a treasure beyond your wildest imagination. A metropolis of unowned cyborgs. The hunt is on. Side town, my boy. The capital of the freeze out. 
cyborg graveyard. And the battle lines have been drawn. I thought this was the free zone. Do we look free to you? We'll converge on Sidetown like a tongue of fire from hell. Take them by surprise, they'll never know what hit them. Keep one thing in mind. The bitch and the canister. They belong to me. She has the power to change all their tomorrows. See for yourself. You're pregnant. She's no woman. Cyborg, take it or leave it. There is a man, Evan. You are creating another life. He may be your the first of her kind to become one of their kind. And they must all come together. Come and get it, you pussy. Because the war for the future of two races is about to begin. Odds of victory. Too close to call. This is Cyborg 3. Starring Christine Hodge. Zach Gallagher. Richard Lynch. Malcolm McDowell. Could you polish this one? Cyborg 3. Parts of the movie actually work pretty well, and I think that they spent all of their money in the first six days, and then they just sort of had everybody talk for the next however long. It just looks like a it. bad Mad Max ripoff. It's like yeah. if the world is in such a bad place, how can anyone afford to be cyborgs? cyborgs. Yeah, I don't know. seems like that would be too expensive if you can't even have a shelter. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the uh, these are the questions over, that I think a, they're wrestling with. Deep I like that the kid the from layers. Gremlins is in it, though. Yeah, in the <laughs> next and only role ever. <laughs> he quit acting. He was like, fuck it. If you know this what? is as good as it gets, I'm not even going to bother. Yeah. So you just went all cyborg. You just went right yeah, for the, the title. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's Gil style. Let's that's, see what uh, the rest of the world picked with the Adult Swim Facebook picks. Oh, yeah, RoboCop, of course. Terminator 2, Judgment Day, because the Terminator is a cyborg. Indeed. Cybernetic organism. Blade Runner, no. Replicants are not cyborgs. Sorry, guys. Uh, Ghost in the Shell, yes. And Empire Strikes Back has both Luke and, by the end, or Darth Vader and, by the end, Luke yeah. are both cyborgs. Um, and it has androids. And it has robots. It has all, all the whole spectrum. Uh, so let's see what the uh, Toonami Facebook has to say about it. Robocop, of course, Ghost in the Shell, Blade Runner. Again, guys, I'm sorry to inform you. Replicants are we not very clear cyborgs. in the instructions. Uh, Appleseed and then Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Again, Mechagodzilla, just, uh, he's just a robot. He's yeah. not even an android because he's a robot designed to look like Godzilla. So he's a straight up robot, robot. not a cyborg. Yeah. So... Again, it seems that the definition of cyborg is something the average person doesn't give enough of a shit about to bother knowing what they are. But in case you didn't know, you watched our show and now you know. It's still crazy to me that the droid phone has to license droid from The word Lucas. droid. Well, I mean, no one said Right, droid. but I mean, wouldn't you name your phone something that you didn't have to pay somebody for? Like, that just seems I crazy. I think they thought it would be cool because they could, you yeah. know, piggyback on Star Wars. Um, cool? So... Now let's talk about <clears throat> this week's little sneak peeks. Sneak? Well, no. Are we going to go sneak peeks first? Okay. Uh, so this week we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to show you topical for Dragon Ball Super episode number thirty-seven. I got to be honest. I don't know what's happening right now. They're fighting. Yeah, they're still fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's not surprising. Why don't we look at this promo and then we'll find out. On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. Now it's my turn to fight. That move is he can't be. Looks like my dad a gun. This little guy's a Saiyan too. You did. Call yourself a Saiyan. 
I sure hope Vegeta hasn't forgotten that killing your opponent means you forfeit the match. Dragon Ball Super, Saturday at 11. I will kill you. He wouldn't. I'm not done with you yet. He would. Told you. And then you can see that at 11 p.m. Uh, Saturday night on Toonami. And then we have a new lineup promo since we added uh, Cowboy Bebop. Uh, our lineup has changed, so here's a little promo laying it all out for you in case you don't know what we got on. Toonami's new rundown is ready to launch. Let there be blood. Don't you mean light? Nope. Dragon Ball Super punches in at 11. Not even you can stand this for long! DBZ Kai annihilates 11.30. JoJo goes platinum at midnight. Gundam is freshly forged with season two of Iron-Blooded Orphans at 12.30. I'm gonna grind you into dust! Adventures unfold with Hunter Hunter at 1. Sounds good to me. Loop on the third breaks in at 1.30. How about a little treat? Ship it in, strikes hard at 2. Not bad. Outlaw Star blasts off at 2.30. Oh, that hurt. Cowboy Bebop earns its Wulongs at 3. Television controls people by bombarding them with information. Ghost in the Shell gets its second gig at 3.30. Awaken and become part of the new order. Tsunami. Every Saturday night from 11 to 4. Here ends the lesson. And then lastly, our special goodie this week, we have yet another animated video. They just come in groups like this, like we won't get any for months, and then a bunch of people will send us stuff. So this is the the song Filthy Apes and Lions by Mike Stormer. It's just a really cool animated video, and we thought you guys would enjoy it. So um, let's check out a little bit of that.
So that was directed by the great Lee Hardcastle, who we've worked with on a whole bunch of stuff. He did all the um, Rick and Borny non-canonical adventures. Um, He's done a ton of music videos, and his own site is tons of his own work. He's done a bunch of Adults Film IDs. He's awesome. So he sort of brought us that and said, hey, I'm doing this music video. Maybe you guys would like to see it. And so we uh, decided to show it to you guys. Hope you enjoy it. Um, And now... Uh, trash can Sam. What's trash it called? Can, trash, trash can, can Sam. Time. Trash yeah. time. Trash can Sam. Trash just like there. Trash talk with Written Gil. Out. Perfectly trash talk remembered with, by trash you. Trash talk with Gil. Uh, today we'll be looking at XCOM 2 War of the Chosen, which is a DLC sort of reboot kind of. Yeah, of a, very, a strange DLC. Original. A good one, but a yeah. strange one. Um, it was like, want to replay the game with added more complex elements and a little side stuff, but not which the is, other two side which DLCs. Which is how they did the other DLC. It's like, and some of them you can have, some of them cross over, or one of them crosses over. Um, I guess they both do, because you still get a spark, and that's from Shin's gift. And they still get the serpents. And you get the rulers, which is from whatever yeah. the other one's called. Um, but you can't, you don't go through those yeah. motions, and the point is not to hunt down the rulers. Right. The point is to hunt down the, the chosen. chosen and kill them, and then kill everybody else. And then uh, call it So a day. what was your trash that you did? So this, one of the twists that they have in this version of the game is that unlike the last XCOM 2, you can't really just roll with the same unit over and over again, even if they don't get hurt. Unit they of, get of, of, of individual soldiers. soldiers. Yeah. You can't have the same people, group dynamic components uh, of the same people. So even if they don't get injured in the fight... They get tired if you take them on more than one trip. And then... Lazy bastards. I know, it's really... And when they get tired, they're more likely to miss shots. They're more likely to have adverse effects when they come back. They get scared of lancers. They get scared of... They develop psychological... They have... Like PTSD issues. They're like... They're, like, scared of fire, and then so if something lights on fire, there's a chance they'll panic and shoot their own guy or run away, or, like, there's... it. So it increases all your... Yeah. Um, so you... So the, this was taking a squad of all tired soldiers and not getting... Not letting anybody get injured. So let's see how it went. So here we go. Welcome to another edition of One Man's Trash, where neither of us can figure out whose time I wasted more, mine or yours. Today we're going to be playing the DLC for XCOM 2, War of the Chosen. If you liked XCOM 2, you should definitely pick up this DLC. It's basically the same story as before, with a couple of little tweaks. And everything's harder, and there's new enemies to kill. So I figured there had to be some trash lying around. I wanted to go for the Weary Warriors Trophy, which you get for bringing a squad of all tired soldiers and getting no casualties. And this is actually one of the bigger changes. In the previous XCOM games, you could just roll with the same squad over and over again if they didn't get hurt. But on this one, even if they aren't injured, if you take them on more than two missions, really, they get tired and then they start missing shots and they also get or more likely to panic and come back with PTSD-type ailments where they're scared of a certain type of soldiers or fire or something like that. One of our soldiers is in a daze. We need to snap him out of it. Other than the Commander Trophy, which you get for getting all of the trophies, it's the rarest one, mostly because why would you try it? It's totally pointless. You don't get anything out of it, which just makes it a perfect one-man's trash. So first of all, you need to replace your squad of perfectly rested, ready-to-go, able-bodied soldiers with all of these tired soldiers, and then dust off to give it a shot. And honestly, if you're not playing Iron Man mode, which I'm about to start playing shortly, uh, this really is just an exercise in patience and stupidity, because you can save as much as you want and reload as much as you want. So it's really just going step by step and hoping that everything goes right. So at the beginning of the mission, things were actually going pretty well, and I thought I was going to have to figure out another one man's trash, because this was going to be too easy. And then Frost panicked. And I guess this is a good time to explain, if you're not aware, that one of the really great things about XCOM 2 is that you can make your squad look kind of any way you want. You can change their outfits, you can change their faces, you can give them stupid hats to wear, you can make them look however you want and then change all the armor color and everything else. You can also make them look like Colonial Marines and populate them with the people of the different Alien movie franchises, which is what I did. So when Frost panicked, there was a chance that Bishop, who was his 
co-op link partner, which is another change that they have for this one, would also panic. But he resisted that chance. And then I thought I was really in for smooth sailing. Then I made the worst mistake you can ever make in XCOM, and that's taking your last movement soldier and moving them the furthest. And I discovered one of the Chosen, who are the new aliens that you're fighting in this. And they're a super pain in the ass. And so the only person who had to move back was Vasquez. So she launched her grenade at him. And then I really hoped things were going to go well. And then it was the aliens' turn. And they just sat there and didn't do anything. You lack and then it was the Chosen's turn. And he summoned a faceless man who then started running. And since everybody was in Overwatch, because other than being a dumbass, I was being really careful. The first two hit, and then Pharaoh misses the kill shot, which turns out to be really where things start to go bad. Chosen runs over to Bishop and stuns him. And then that makes Ash panic, and Ash starts shooting, but not super effectively. And then the Chosen runs away, and I think, that wasn't so bad. And then I realized that, no, I gotta reload and reload a turn before because I didn't save in time, because not only was Bishop stunned, but Bishop was actually attacked, and then he got stunned. And then, of course, the capture software crashed, and so I don't have the clip from when I actually killed the Chosen, well, not kill them for good. You just kill them off the map, and then you set up other missions to go and storm their base and kill them for good. But either way, the Chosen was gone from this level, and it was time to go try to get the rest of the Resistance soldiers out of this base and save as many people as we could, which was the whole point of this mission in the beginning before I stumbled upon the Chosen. We've held off the Chosen for another day. And then we kill a bunch of Berserkers and Mutons, and then this asshole kills Pharaoh, and everybody starts freaking out. A bunch of civilians die. And it's back to the drawing board. And then things are going actually pretty well. Once again, I actually remembered how to save, and saved. And then the resistance guys who'd just been sitting around for a couple of turns and I'd forgotten all about decide to randomly run up and join in the fight, which really would have been helpful earlier and I wouldn't have had to reload quite so many times. But now that they're here, that's good. So after another unfortunate casualty, the resistance fighters kill the last berserker, which then spawns the last faceless man again. But now that the other resistance fighters have joined in, that's actually pretty easy. And I can just sit on my Overwatch perch and in classic XCOM style, the trophy pops before the action happens. So you don't have to really worry about whether or not they're actually going to kill him because you know they already did. And we get weary warrior trophy and we're done for the day, except for the fact that I'm extra, extra crazy and I reload from the very beginning because I was a good boy and saved before I went down and replay this entire mission because, as you can see, all of my soldiers came back with ailments. They were all sick, so they couldn't go back into fight. They were tired. They were afraid of everything. And uh, that's just not the kind of leader that I am. So I redid the whole thing. But... Uh, we did get the trophy, so job well done, me. If you have something fun and dumb for me to do in a video game, hit me up at StupidGill and let me know. You and your crew have dealt another serious blow to the aliens' efforts today. No! Again, this, it. this doesn't seem like that. I mean, th this, as far as compared to your other one man's trashes, this one seems much easier than a lot of the ones that you normally pick. Uh, I mean, I mean, it took just, me just picking a tired team two to have solid a days to do it of one XCOM fight. Just because they kept screwing up? You have to do it. Like, yeah, you have to. They can't get hurt at all, yeah. and nothing can go wrong, and then they get all fucked up. Why can't they get hurt? Because that's the trophy. That's the, that's oh, okay. Oh, I got it. So it has to go flawless. It's a flawless with yeah. all tired. Right. So more of a pain. Just a lot of reloading. Um, Not and really any more skill on your part. No, it's you have to bring the right group. You have to equip them correctly. Come you have on. to execute the right orders. Did you, have you do to it? Reload over and over. Well, I'm not doing one man's trash. Yeah. The, Could you. I have done it? Yeah. Well, you say that now, but I mean, I don't I'll see tell you, you as one of the less than one percent of the people who have the trophy. That's just just because no one cared to do it doesn't mean no one can. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's not the impossible man's trash or one man's glory because I, he's better than everyone else. It should else. be the, the hard point man's the thing, trash. No, the whole point of the thing is it's dumb. This is dumb. Why would you bother doing it? It's really dumb. But it's also hard. It is Which dumb. is it's not hard, the Venn diagram. but it's dumb. That's my point is 
in the Venn diagram, you have successfully gotten the hard and dumb to cross. This is more just the dumb. No, I don't think so. It's not hard. I'll reload it and do it today. Okay. It's not that hard. One, you have it's to find. Dumb. You have to get people tired. <laughs> then you have, oh, to, no. you have to take them on a thing. Then so they it's can't two get hurt. Missions you got to play. You got to play a mission to get them tired, and then a mission, and then you got to play it without them getting injured. Right. Well, you just reload, which is what you do anyway. So you have to have two flawless back-to-back what missions. The, one what of the which viewer is doesn't retired. know is we're both psychos and reload anytime our no, guys they know. get hurt. It was anyway. in the thing. Did you say that in your thing? Yeah. I didn't remember. It was boring. Anyway, don't give a shit. Trash time is over. Um, so coming up next, let's talk adults from singles. Boring. And, and today, I mean, you want to insult the artist? Go ahead, for friend. No, no, just the title. Uh, adults from singles. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of boring. People always want it to be about dating, which we don't offer a dating service. We should. We, we should call it adults from singles. We probably should. Um, so this week's adults from single is the song "Ao Charlie" by Sparkmaster Tape who's a rapper who kind of hides his identity. No one knows what he really looks like. Do you um, know? No, I don't. I, I think he's awesome. Um, he's uh, working on a new record, but he was willing to give us a track, so I'm psyched about it. So let's sample A.O. Charlie by Sparkmaster Tate. <laughs> So again, you can get that at adultswim.com slash singles along with the other 20 some odd weeks worth of songs. And again, we're going all year. We'll be dropping a track every Wednesday. So come back to adultswim.com slash singles after noon every Wednesday for a new song. Uh, And then finally, uh, this week we have the last three tracks from our project with rapper IDK called I Was Very Bad. Um, they're terrific. He's awesome. We decided to release a whole album with him over the course of three weeks. So these are the last three tracks. And you can go to the site, adultswim.com slash IDK, and listen to these three new ones as well as the other seven that we've released. So um, let's sample a little bit of uh, this week's I Was Very Bad songs. All I want to do is give my mom a couple bands. All I want to do is cop them new designer brands. All I want to do is see the money in my hand. So why the fuck you snitching? Because I sold a couple grams. Bitch, I'm on a mission for the change and a coup. Biggie said it best, fuck a check, give me the loop. No new friends in my circle, in my coup. Text me, but your number ain't saved. Who are you? Function. Most of niggas on that fuck shit. Say they ride or die, they see the out they on that dog shit. Lately I've been happy. And that's it. Got no other free shit for you. Got no other trash. Nope. Got no, no other cyborgs. No other cyborgs, just a robot. Just um Android. <laughs> and uh we'll see you next week. I prefer the term synthetic person. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Bye. Tsunami, every Saturday night from 11 to 3.30.